So welcome to the Hansan Factory Hansan Cast. Um, I am Mikael Christiansen, and right over here we have Emmett Lewis. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. This is our first episode of our first season. We're really excited about this. We're also just making this up as we go along, so bear with us while we get set. First things first, though, I suppose uh, we should explain a little bit about ourselves, what we do, and what we're going to achieve. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, a little bit about myself. As I said, my name is Mikael Christiansen. I am a hand balancer. I did the University of Dance and Circus, and before that, I did break dancing. And yeah, now I work as a yeah circus performer and handstand teacher. Um, and I work a lot with Emmet uh, with what we call the Handstand Factory. And Handstand Factory is yeah. Would you like to say what it actually is? Yeah, let me introduce myself first. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm Emmet Lewis. I am an acrobatics coach. I'm known in the general fitness world as the flexibility wizard or the splits wizard. Um, it's more just I've sort of tailored a lot of my teaching to general flexibility people of how to get flexible as an adult and this kind of thing. I'm sure you can follow this along on my YouTube. But I'm also an acrobatics coach. I also coach handstands like Mikhail. I'm not as high level at handstands or ever was as him, but he is a machine, as we say, <laughs> in human form. But, uh, you know, so we kind of together to make this project, the Handstand <clears throat> Factory of, it's basically we just wanted to get our voice out on how we feel handstand coaching is and how it should be done. And, you know, we're putting together, let's say I've been in the coaching business directly for a good 12 years now as my main thing. Mikhail's been coaching for about the same amount of time. So we're putting, you know, 20,000 hours of experience coaching <laughs> into a product. Exactly. Um, yeah, so this is a podcast that you are listening to right now. And um, so we have basically been thinking about just various topics that we'd like to cover. Uh, and there will be a little bit of different things. Some that will be kind of just directly handstand related. Some that will be kind of more in terms of like circus and other things. And yeah, we have loads of different interests. So we don't exactly know uh, what direction this will go in as of yet. But yeah, stick with us and you'll see, I guess. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of, <laughs> we're getting into that thing of, uh, you know, this can be slightly uh, viewer-led if you're listening in and have some stuff you want us to talk about or interested in, you know. You're free, yeah, you're free to know. contact us on social media, let us know. We'll put it into the pot and we'll see if it's uh, if there's interest and we'll do it. So I suppose in our first episode, we were kind of debating, we're like, oh, what would we do for the first episode, thinking there was any other choice. But the only choice we really have yeah. is to say what is a handstand talk about what is a handstand, handstand yeah? yeah yeah kind of why would you to. choose to do this kind of thing <laughs> it's kind of one of these things that we're supposed to we're just going to look at mainly the two-arm handstand this episode and you know mm. we have to we have to actually get a working definition of what is a handstand and also just like for us i suppose that's quite a big thing obviously we make a product on it but then also within that big thing of what is a handstand there's also like we only teach a certain subset of what is a handstand, mm. I suppose. Yeah, like I think that one thing that's actually been it's been a very interesting doing handstand factory in terms of that because we had to put a lot of thoughts onto paper and a lot of assumptions and general ideas that we maybe or that we had from before but that we hadn't really clarified and exactly that thing like what is a handstand like what actually defines that 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 isn't such a or it seems like it's very clear okay yeah a handstand is a straight shape where you're on two arms but is it really like uh of course there's a lot to be said for it being that but um like there like for 
what I find fascinating is just seeing like, okay, but what, what is the context where it's relevant? Like, what are you trying to use it for? Or are you doing it for its own sake? Uh, how do you want it to look? All these things kind of uh, play in on what the handstand kind of is to you or is to the context. So that, that was like a very important thing that we kind of went into when discussing this. And obviously our kind of approach to the handstand comes from our backgrounds, which are from the circus and there's of course a loads of kind of associations and loads of uh, concepts that come with it when you come from that direction but that doesn't mean that is all it is yeah i think it's there's a lot of if you look at the history or if you look at anything on handstands there's a lot of things that it's the aesthetic has been designed for a reason has been chosen but then it's mm. become a set thing where people are oh it has to be like this because this is the most technically efficient way to do it when in reality it's just because people the aesthetic changes you can even see it like if we go back to the history of hand balance if you go back to the early courses the york course of hand balancing mm -hmm. and polinetti, polinetti and, professor uh, polinetti true art and science of hand balancing professor <laughs> uh, when do we become professors that's yeah. what i want to know but he's talking about in the book is talking about like oh yeah the the curved flowing lines of the american handstand versus the straight european handstand and how the curved flowing lines is much more aesthetic and mm. there's some pictures in the book he's perfectly capable of doing a chin on chest perfectly straight shoulders open handstand yet his choices and the way he was teaching was for this curved arching yeah. shape so it's kind of they, they even argument they even argue for the fact that it is easier to balance uh with the arch back because you can kind of use that curvature to balance and of course you lower your center of mass so it, it makes sense uh, yeah. it's um I, I, I remember like when i started hand balancing back in like 2000 i think my first class was still remember it was the uh 18th of december 2007 that's when i had my first handstand class and like around that time I, I i got the true art and science of hand balancing like a kind of a, a copy of it and uh read through it and i find it fascinating this was like just the way they used to do it because they weren't bad like they were super fucking good at doing this and it works it's just and another interesting thing is that like it's very in, uh, intuitive to think that the straight handstand is uh, the correct one but if you also look at like what is the intuitive handstand it's not a straight handstand if you ask a child to kick up to a handstand on the grass they're going to arch your back they're going to bend their arms they're going to do all these weird things that the body automatically will do to solve this equation of staying on the hands for a child they're going to be up there for like a millisecond but that is what the body is going to try to do to solve this complex equation and all these things in terms of aesthetics and efficiency and so on like of course they matter and especially if you want to take your practice to a high level um but i gotta watch over the table there yeah. <laughs> clumsy ass Whoever's typing uh, uh, kicking or amazingly yep. ghetto setup in my living room mm -hmm. it's a uh, you know we've got the good equipment but uh we couldn't afford the studio no. so i think you know our next kickstarter is like get us a podcast studio mm. with uh proper basically, recording basically Ro joe rogan 2.0 what we're doing yeah. here except with that if you could like yeah send me some weed as well <laughs> you know mikhail exactly. just wants methamphetamine yeah of course so it's kind of we'll balance it out it's the yin to his yang <laughs> uh, i think it's one of these things that it's also like a handstand is very context specific in that if we look at the different disciplines and what you're going to do it's almost like what do you do before and after the handstand defines the actual handstand itself and why it might mm. be certain ways so we could use the the idea in gymnastics 
it's if you look at the way a lot of gymnasts do their handstands they have to hold their handstand for two seconds to get full marks in their competition they have to enter from one way and they have to exit generally with a roll and that's would be a common element in floor but they have to hold it straight but they'll also hold with a wider hand position than we'd normally coach for hand balance the reason for this is if you are on a gymnastic floor it is much easier to actually hold with a wider position it also comes down to remember one of the first lessons i had on this on the push is like i used to think many years ago that you must push as high as you can get the shoulders right up but then i had one of the gymnastics coaches explain no that's more to do with high bar because if you are on high bar and you're swinging at high speed and you have not got your shoulders shrugged up completely then as you come down and get the whip and the swing to go into a giant you can just lose the push as gravity kicks in and as the force kicks in and that can like cause some tweaks cause some issues so you think when they're coaching kids and when they're coaching they want the shoulders up as far as they can so they don't get that jerk and lose that energy mm. whereas say in hand balance now i don't know if you look at mikhail's handstand do you even elevate your shoulder yeah i always elevate but like i never i never go max i would say my general elevation is around 80 degrees i just or like 80 yeah. percent i i push so that i feel like I'm, I'm active in the traps on two arms and when i go to one i push higher but like there's only a few like very specific positions where i push to 100 percent and like i feel like i there's a kind of an often it's a kind of thing that's taken for granted that you need to push to 100 percent on two arms and like i think what and en- what ends up happening when you're trying to do that is that you'll be wasting you'll be wasting power so the general thing i like to say is that like if you push so high that you feel that you have to kind of twist your face like make a grimace with your face you're pushing too high because you're just starting to like drain yourself more than necessary so and like you said in gymnastics like these things are very important because you 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 need to be working with this like large extension i mean even if you just want to go into a roll from a handstand if your handstand if your handstand position is not properly pushed out you're not going to be traveling as far as in your roll same if, if you're going into like a uh, what's it called uh, round off and these things you really want to use this push because you you want to travel through space with a handstand and as you said before and after it it is what is starting to matter so like this is something that's quite fascinating because like you have gymnastics which is kind of I think I don't want to call it a problem but it's a thing that like ha- gymnastics is of course the most widely spread um physical activity that uses handstand and and that has caused uh gymnastics to be the, the largest authority especially on the internet with the handstands and then it kind of mixes with various concepts from other uh disciplines that use handstands such as circus such as like you know, hand balancing yeah. hand to hand uh but like even like breakdancing, capoeira, all these other things are also using handstands. It's just that the the point of using it and the way that you want to use them will be different. And then the expression needs to be different. Yeah, just to touch on the capoeira thing, I remember talking to Simon Takur from Ancestral Movement. Uh, check him out, he's pretty cool. But he was big into capoeira. He was talking about the capoeira handstand. And they coach with a wider arm position and with bent elbows and with the head through. And the reason for this, and they can hold handstands quite long, is... One, you'll always be kind of entering your handstand from the side. Two, you want to keep your head true so you can see your opponent. And then the other one I found the most interesting for me is they want the elbows bent because that gives them more options to move laterally Mm. on the handstand and come down so you can transition. You know, you might go up on the left, come back down on the left or go up on the right or move around. So they have that kind of 
this lateral motion that we have almost via our choice and techniques have removed from the handstand with mm. the with the circus handstand so it's kind of like they've adapted and go no this is our usage of it mm. and this is the way we want to use it so what shape does that handstand need to be or what kind of structure does it need mm. and of course they, they will they will want to kick from it so why the hell would you would you want your legs straight and together pointless you'd yeah. rather want them bent and close to your body so you can you can whip out the leg towards your opponent yeah exactly so it's kind of you always have to think like what is the context and i suppose that kind of leads us into a I suppose we should give what is a working definition of a handstand. Yeah, I think the easiest way to do it is, uh, for me anyway, is a handstand is when there is only two points of contact with the body. So what that means two to, the floor. Of to the floor <laughs> or to the body, because there's a thing if we think about, say, arm balances, like elbow stands and stuff mm. like that, it is, yeah, I wouldn't count that as a handstand. It's a balance for me because we have the hands on the floor, but then the body has another point of contact with the elbows on the knee or mm. like an air baby or something like this or all those yoga kind of arm balances. So while people would say that is a handstand, for me it's not. It's just you should be only point of contact for the body is the hands either on the floor or possibly on your apparatus. And there's no other points of contact and the body is not sealing up anywhere else. Mm. Yeah, it's... Um like that is just one thing that I wanted to touch on before we move kind of into more of the circusy things that we teach. Is just like since I come from break break dancing, um, I spent a bunch of years on that before I started. Like before I met my first handstand coach, Corey Tabino, uh, in yeah, two thousand seven, late or late late two thousand seven, uh, and like in breaking, like you don't really think about how you stand on your hands. Like it's it's kind of you you're never you're never taught the handstand like maybe there are t there are tutorials on online for like b-boys nowadays but like when i was training it was just like it was just kind of taken for granted oh yeah you learn your baby freeze you learn your elbow stand you learn your handstand because you want to do a freeze with it so and and like there's a couple of interesting parts to that like first of all you don't really think much about it and of course breakers they just spend a lot of time training and trying and because so much of the stuff they do are with the hands on the floor and they build the strength and the control and so on, they kind of get it over time. It's very unspecific technically, but they get it. Um, and there also you want to be, uh, you want to keep your arms bent. And even remember like a, a b-boy here asked me about like presses to handstand because he was doing like staller presses, but he was bending his arms. And he said like, yeah, is this a problem? And I said like, you're breaking. Why is it a problem? Like, yes, if you want to do it with straight arms, like gymnastics or circus style, sure, then you can train it with straight arms. But you're breaking. It's much more efficient to have your arms bent because you're going to move up and down from baby freeze and elbow stands and all these things. And then you can actually use the dynamics uh, that kind of is integral to the aesthetics and to the techniques of breaking rather than like, okay, making your uh, your handstand into kind of a gymnastic shape. Which you also can. It just, it just has these different aesthetical qualities and these different goals to them so i just find that very very fascinating too because to, to me those are kind of some of the kind of main categories that use handstands gymnastics circus handstands hand-to-hand -hand balancing breakdancing capoeira and i guess you could say also say diving though for them they, they they just kind of they just stay on two arms and then they whip out of it so i mean they yeah. need a good handstand but it's we could also say the y word hmm yoga oh yes yoga too that's true <laughs> it exists there and i guess crossfitters walk on their hands as well CrossFit, yeah that's an interesting one of like crossfit have like everyone just diverge slightly it's like they've taken the handstand and they've made it into the most crossfit thing possible it's like handstand push-up 
it's like if you look at the tutorials of handstand push-up they they make me cringe inside a little <laughs> of how bad they are in what i believe is a good technique for handstand but it makes perfect sense for crossfit it's like okay i need to get the reps in as fast as possible and i don't really need to balance it and i don't really need to worry about you know correct shoulder alignment or everything so or correct as i see it see this is the other thing it comes down to like there's a lot of ownership on these things. A lot of people say, yeah. this is the one true way. Mm. Uh, what we'd really like to get to, I suppose, is there's not really yeah, one true way, Yeah, there isn't really there? one true way. I think, I think it's, it's, it's just, it's very relevant. And I think the more you teach, or the more, at least I have taught, and the more people I've seen uh, doing this stuff, it's just, even, even within these specific disciplines, uh, you start seeing variation. And I suppose that, like, sports, like gymnastics is the place where you'd think that you'd see the least amount of variation because they have a code of points like it is specific and you will lose points if you move in a certain way rather than another uh in circus we don't really have that but at the same time circus has a very strong tradition on aesthetics and technique and there is kind of like an internal how to say like judgment on how things look and i I, like that's something i like we're gonna get back to in, in another episode but like it's it's still like the um general concepts that you kind of feel that you have to follow these like straight legs like the pointed toes uh the fucking line and so on which is like it's it's looked upon as kind of uh it's not just good criteria to have it's just if you don't have them you are a bad person that or at least that's what the internet tells you yeah definitely with the <laughs> it's a, like it's a lot of stuff that is efficient training aids it's kind of funny when you watch like a, the education of a circus artist even not even counting handstands, but there's like a certain aesthetic that comes from the training tools that just, it's there to build the body awareness. So toes pointed, legs locked, you know, no micro bends, pay attention to what your extremities are doing. And this is there just to build the body map that you'll begin to go, okay, I can do a move and I can feel my feet. Mm. Okay, now I can choose to do something. How can I express the thing? But then Mm. a lot of circus, like you, you learn all these movements with this kind of aesthetic that is derived from the training. And then a lot of people spend a lot of years trying to get rid of that aesthetic and trying to find like, oh, wait, I can do it correct, but how do I do my own thing? Mm. I suppose it's kind of, I always think of it a bit like paint by numbers. It's like you've got to get inside the lines, Mm. but that's just teaching you how to control the pen and how to paint. Mm. And then afterwards, you have to like get a sheet of paper and, you know, get some spray cans out, throw the pens away maybe. (laughs) But it's it's like, um, even if if you, I remember like the, first thing in true art of science of hand balancing by Polinetti, i think it came out in the in the 40s uh he was at his best in kind of i think in the 1920s um but the first thing that's in the book is actually ballet like it's showing like the different leg positions of ballet and how that is what you're trying to achieve aesthetically in your handstands even with even when they're doing like the very arched handstand like the uh the outfit the outfits they use are kind of these like tight white um uh full full covering outfits and they're uh like it's like yeah the general pointed toes locked knees thing and all of that and of course like through gymnastics through ballet and sort of stuff like of course the the efficiency of it is very important but i find also the aesthetics interesting because um if you take the aesthetics off uh what essentially became ballet uh and if you take the context it's performed and it's performed in a stage and the audience is far away. So having a very straight leg and pointed toes make your leg look longer. 
So yeah. you will like you like it, it fits the format because it's, it's just more visible. That is also like if someone has a very wide straddle and very like uh, like the legs look very long when they do a handstand on stage. It's just more it's more aesthetic yeah. aesthetical in terms of the way that it's more visible in space and. I, I again think it's very interesting in terms of if you compare it to breakdancing, which has a totally different aesthetic, but also breaking is designed to be looked at from a very close proximity. Like you're in a circle and you're like one, one and a half meter away from the person dancing. So it yeah. just has like these different contexts and that also leads into Suppose how it's breaking. Form. Maybe you can see like more fine details up close so you can get a more... Yeah, and it's, it's, about, it's about individual angles. style. Yeah, and it's about angles. Like if you look at kind of the way that they, if, if you if you kind of take pictures of the freeze frames of either when they're doing footwork or when they're doing like freezes and stuff, it's always about creating these kind of intricate angles that uh, I find very fascinating that no one uses in hand balancing, for example. It's very rare to see. Uh, and I suppose that also like leads a bit into that thing of the actual training of it, uh, which I think also... Um, affects the way that uh, or the aesthetics simply because like it's really really hard to learn which means that you spend an enormous amount of time perfecting this kind of techniques the straightness and of course you yeah you have all these criteria that are kind of enforced by the community and by the ideas and so on but uh, what did your friend call that again? Was it the cabal or uh, was it the... Oh, no, that was uh, uh, Jonathan Fortin. He called that, what was it? He called it the... The federation. So the federation says you <laughs> yeah. must have your knees locked. Exactly. So, the, so the, the the federation, according to him, um, uh, Jonathan, I think Fortin, maybe he's French. Uh, he's a French circus, or a circus artist that does aerial straps, and he had this concept about the federation. And the federation is a basically the they're they're with you even when you're alone because like you look at your video and you look at yourself and like oh no this was ugly it was bad. And he would always like, let's say you did a handstand or a trick that wasn't perfect. And he'd always question, why is it bad? Why, why is it not a trick when you didn't lift your, your hand all the way up to your knee and your one arm? You only lifted it to 45 degrees. Why is that not a thing? Why is it only a thing when you got your hand up to your knee? Yeah. And like, this is like how kind of like that, the, the training aspect and the difficulty kind of influences and kind of enforces a certain aesthetic too. Uh, and I find that that very interesting in terms of if we're gonna then look at the practice of handstand, yeah. Uh, since it's it's difficult and it takes a lot of time, and obviously when you've spent you spend all this time like achieving these criteria, uh, and you're obviously happy when you achieve your straight line or your yeah. press to handstand and so on, and you want it to look nice according to these criteria, then that kind of becomes this sort of just very generalized. Um, it becomes like yeah must it must be this rather than like i want it to be this it's a it's an interest it's just interesting because it's like if we begin it's one of those things i've done a few years ago when i was really trying to understand handstands from a different level i began like stripping everything out of my handstand and see what was the things that made me stay without falling and i was like well you know it would have been i would have given all the same advice to people over the years you know you must do 90 second dish holds before you start training and arch holds and all this kind of stuff and you know you must have your toes pointed knees locked and the style of handstand i was taught at the time we had external rotation at the hip so your position was kind of like a ballet first position but i started like stripping this out and i came to this conclusion i was like okay well i only really need two things for my handstand i need my fingers and my hands to be able to do something 
I need a certain amount of push in my shoulders. And then everything else was like, became optional. It's like, okay, mm. I can just, you know, my foot can just relax. I can just do, ignore it. My knees can be bent. They can be straight. They can be obviously just even ignoring the shapes. It's like my score, like the core, the bane of the existence, you know, <laughs> must squeeze my core. And I spend a lot of time doing that. Like you'll see some of the people from the same school as me. They like, they basically suck their stomach in like a stomach vacuum because that's how they were taught. Mm. Uh, you don't need that. And you don't need like the rib pull down or you don't need anything like that. You just basically need shoulders and fingers and then everything mm. else comes on top of that. It's a choice almost. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a foot stand. Like it should be the same as a foot stand. And like you stand on your feet. It's not very difficult because you've done it for all your, all your life. But if you look at a baby who's learning to stand, they're going to wobble all, all over the place, just as someone learning to handstand. It's just going to be very similar. And that's, I think, like it's interesting, that thing with the core, because it's like it makes sense on paper that you should be this kind of stick. And if, if the entire stick is tight, then it should somehow be easier to balance it. But like, again, like the gymnastics uh, perspective um, has influenced that a lot, I think, because in gymnastics, they do teach it with this like very rigid, hardcore tension in the midsection, which makes perfect sense for the context. Because if you're teaching a child that is going to do very high level gymnastics, or even like not even high level gymnastics, but you want to swing around the bar, you want to be do tumbling, you want to swing around the rings and all this, then you need to have that tension through the entire body as you swing. And you need to reinforce that idea from from the get go so that every time you go upside down, this is hardwired into the entire structure. While it's very interesting because like I've had a number of discussions over the years of with people about this, uh, uh, the core tension the core thing. conundrum. Yeah. And I just like sent like a general message around to like a ton of my hand balancing friends, uh, like pretty high level people, but some also just like people that can just stand on two arms and just ask them like, yeah, do, do you actually think about tensing your midsection while you're in a handstand? And like a couple of them just answered, what, what do you mean? Uh, and we're talk talking people who are pretty badass, very, very solid on one arms. And I never tense my abs when I'm in a one arm either. It's just as when you stand on your legs, you stand on one leg, you don't need to squeeze your abs to, to be able to balance better on your, on your feet. And the example that I very I love to use this one when I teach as well. It's just like, and you can you that listen now. You can try this right away. You just stand on one leg, uh, and then you look at your foot, and you're going to see that if you stand on one leg and look at your foot, the the foot will kind of wiggle back and forth a little bit and helping you to balance. And it'll do that more than when you stand on two feet because you have a smaller base of support, right? Now, just stand there, and you'll feel that like there won't you your body won't move that much. But then without changing any body tension, without changing anything in your body, just close your eyes and see what happens. And lo and behold, you will likely be wobbling more back and forth. Your foot will have to work faster and harder to keep you in balance. And your, your kind of core part of your body will wobble, like your shoulder part will wobble and so on. And this, this is the same thing that happens in handstand. You're just balancing slower because... You're, you don't uh, don't any longer have any visual cue and it'll be the same in a, in a one-arm handstand or in a handstand. Like you get up there, you're not completely used to the context. Your muscles are maybe not completely strong enough yet. You fatigue, you're not sure what to do and so on and so on and so on. Things will move around just like a baby learning to walk. So just, it's fine to tense your abs, but you don't need to. Yeah, once again, it's like come back to the whole idea of choice and everything else. It's like, we have to remember like force propagates from the ground through the body like a wave it doesn't 
I don't squeeze my fingers and it instantly cause a reaction in my toes. It kind of takes a second to travel up. Mm. And if you're really solid, it just means you end up putting more leverage through your fingers. Whereas if you are a bit more, you know, we're not talking floppy, but it's always this idea I tell my students, it's like a guitar string. We're tuning a guitar string to play the note of the fingers. Mm. And that kind of, that's what gets the balance going. Mm. So it's this idea that if you're, if you're trying, you're just wasting energy in some ways. Like it's one of those things like, there's a different quality I learned in circus where we had these classes called extension and I didn't really get the point of them. Um, the lady teaching them, Lorraine, was a the ballet teacher and also an aerialist, but she was a very good, very influential actually when I was there. But she would teach, it was meant to be a flexibility class, but she said, no, no, I'm teaching extension. And I didn't get what the quality was until, I don't know, three or four years ago, where he's trying to basically make this stretching feeling across the body and that's what holds it in place. So when we were doing ballet, instead of uh, having your arms up the side, you start dying. If you could find this stretch out, suddenly you're kind of expanding into it and it's holding you in place, but it's taking very little energy. So you get this in, it's what a lot of these cues are going towards in a handstand, push up, push into the floor, stretch out, stretch the arms out, make them as long as possible, make, reach your toes to the ceiling, make yourself long. This is what's happening with a lot of these cues, but they're just training wheels that once mm. you've got the once you've got the quality of it once you've got the body connected in a way you can feel it then you can just choose to do other stuff so mm. it's this idea of like we teach a certain way to be able just to go eventually okay i'm done i don't need that cue anymore it works for me so it's like myself when i do my handstands i have my checklist and the only thing i've started paying attention now is my feet because i'm a bit lazy on them i'd like for the aesthetic reasons to have a better point and my weight placement in the hand i want basically i know exactly where the weight should be in a two arm and i can now feel it takes a while to get this like if i'm arching if the placement is too far forward in the hand if i'm piked it's too far back if i've got the weight shifted and it's just like it's this verticality with the ground that we're trying to i'm seeking and that's kind of what will cause you to balance and give you give you a center to balance around hmm. yeah it's it's um I think when when people are are learning this too, it's it's important to yeah not be too detailed in the beginning because it's uh, you 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 need you need to take your time in terms of letting your body understand what is going on. And if you're trying to like there's there's an analogy I often use is like if I if I have someone who's a complete beginner and I try to teach them handstand. Um, and I give them 18 different cues that are super duper ultra important to do or else they will fail forever. Uh, then they're going to be trying to focus on way too many things at once. And it becomes as if like, um, like I'm trying to fill their cup with information, but they don't have a cup. Like it just doesn't <laughs> matter. Like they yeah, can't like take in all these things. So like if I tell them, okay, yeah, you need to squeeze your quads, you need to point your toes, you need to tense your ass, you need to push high through the shoulders, you need to bring the sternum in, you need to look at the floor like this, you need to squeeze the fingers like that on the ground. Now you're going to do bloody, bloody, blah, and I keep going like that. Like they're they're not ready. It's not doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like it's, it's, it's if some if someone gives me like a fucking like 
physics equation. I'm just going to look at it and be like, uh, I see the numbers and the signs. And I kind of know what this one means. But That's a plus sign. Yeah, but it's going to stop there because I don't have the capacity. I haven't learned how to do that kind of mathematics. So it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to be able to do anything with that. So rather be, being able to separate and then like, you can you can start using certain concepts and i think what we've tried to do at least in handstand factory is like figuring out like, what are the most important ones like emmet just said like it's it's very interesting if if you're able to uh that thing what did you say there with um finding out like those those two things that matter you needed some yeah. push in, in the shoulders and you needed needed the grip of the fingers and the rest is kind of optional finding those things that are the most important uh so that you can focus on those. And once you are able to focus on those, like then you can start adding. And same thing with just like other other elements of the handstand too. Like, okay, I've never been in my hands before. This feels scary. Oh, well, if you're scared, like you can definitely <laughs> not take in 18 different cues. You can be like, holy shit, I'm, I feel like I'm fall, falling on my face here. Yeah. Okay, and I need to reassure you. Okay, so it's going to be fine. You can work on it like this. You build maybe, maybe you just need to build some strength holding your body first. Yeah. So if you can't hold the body up, how the hell can you expect to balance the body? It's like that thing you see where if you're ever coaching a beginner's class, you have people like chest to wall. And someone who just isn't strong enough to maintain the push in the shoulders and the body goes sloppy. It's just a mental drive thing. And then you say, oh no, squeeze your legs together, point your toes or squeeze your glutes or whatever it is. Mm. And then they do that, but then they instantly lose the shoulder push because mm. they haven't done it long enough to maintain the quality of shoulder push while shifting the focus somewhere else. Yeah. So it's kind of like the harder the shape is to maintain, the, yeah, and, like and, the and less I, and you I can think, take in. Yeah, and the thing is, I think this goes on every level. And that's, that's what it's, I think is fascinating with handstands and why people tend to persevere and kind of train it for a long time is that whenever you enter into a new area of skill, like you will always kind of have like your minimal level of skill, the kind of what you can always do, like to yeah. the degree that like when you're good on handstands, you can kind of always just do a normal handstand. You'll be able to because it's it's so 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 much of an of a comfortable thing. Uh, and then you have kind of your general mid-level of things, which you can access most of the time and it's not a big problem. But then when you move to the kind of the edge of your skill level, it'll always be the same. It'll always kind of be equally challenging. I guess this goes for everything. But uh, I think that like this kind of pushing against this limit is something that is interesting and something where you again experience this kind of blindness to your own body or like, okay, where am I in space now? And like one thing I like to do every time I teach is because of course people see me, okay, yeah, well, they, they look at me and of course you can stand on your hands, you're really strong, you've done handstands for 12 years, obviously it's easy for you to say, uh, but like put me on a trampoline <laughs> and I'm literally a big, like I'm literally that beginner in front of me. Like On your hands even? Huh? Can you do handstand? I mean, I can't I can handstand dogs, <laughs> yeah, but uh, fuck that. For I mean like flips. Nah, like anything in the air like that. I'm not, I'm just not good at rotating in the air. Like it's not, it's not, it's not a skill that, that I've built up. So I'll be at the exact same level where like the person going like, oh shit, but I feel kind of insecure going into a handstand here. Uh, will you catch me? People ask that. Will you yeah. catch me? Yes, I'm your spotter. I've done this forever. Of course I'll catch you. But I understand the question in yeah. the same way as if I'm standing on a fucking trampoline and I'm going to backflip and someone's going to spot me on that. And I'm like, Ugh, I need I need to kind of look at the person f first before I do the fucking backflip because I can't do trampoline and it's it's not it's not a di different different story than anything else. It's just if you're a beginner at something, you're going to you're going to have to encounter those same kind of uh, 
um, blocks kind of that you need to breach. Now with this, like, this is the same shit with even like academic things or entirely different disciplines. You will be yeah. insecure and you'll need to get that security and that understanding before you you feel ready and able and uh, and feel good about actually trying to do these things. Because in yeah. the beginning, yeah, it's scary and it's obvious. Yeah, it's definitely. It's like one of those things, the, f- the fear of the inversion, it happens a lot. Like it seems to propagate in the yoga world a lot that like there's something fearful to be about it. And I think a lot of it is just like the fear of the unknown. It's like, what's mm. going to happen? Mm. What's my body going to do? Can I feel it upside down? Yeah, the blindness. That kind of blindness until you've actually got some experience with it going like, okay, this is what it feels like. I can support myself. Mm. I can, you know, oh, I know how to come down. I know, I know what I'm doing. Mm. Basically, this is what it comes down to. Yeah, and you, into- you you know that you you're not going to die like like you like that that's the thing that like I think getting getting rid of that fear is all about just like if you know that you always see the floor and that your other like let's see you do handstand and then you fall over and you see the floor at all times and you're able to move one of your hands and then you put that hand on the floor so that you don't fall further forwards then you put your feet on the ground then everything is fine because you you're all you always have kind of and over like you can always see what is happening yeah. you you are with yourself um in in kind of the context and uh <clears throat> i think that, that that is like it's also one thing that i find interesting like in, in looking at kind of how people are working with this in various other worlds than the circus because like actually first time i taught a workshop was in 2000 early 2010 i think in helsinki and I'm I had kind of like I got invited by a friend of mine who lives there to teach at the yoga studio and mostly very inexperienced people with handstands and I had never taught before I'd been in school for a while and I had like a reasonable yeah. understanding but I kind of tried to build a build some sort of like workshop structure and then like some guy asked me like yeah but like yeah, I taught them wall stuff and he's like oh well what happens if you fall out and I'm like oh yeah but you just twist down and I just go up to the wall I fall over I twist down put my feet on the floor not a big deal right and he just looks at me as if I'm like, what do you mean twist down? It just strikes me like, what the hell do I mean twist down? This makes <laughs> no sense whatsoever to the person in front of me at yeah. all. And of course it doesn't. So I, I literally was there and I said like, you know what? I haven't actually thought about that. Let, I'm, let me figure it out. And I built up a way of teaching this so that like they could approach it by breaking it down. But like it, it, it makes sense that like this, this feels scary at first and um what, what i what i also th- but i but another thing i think is interesting in in that terms is is that uh it's also uh, easy to put like to make it into too big of a deal and that i've yeah. seen a little bit in several of these disciplines and again to return to breakdancing like the reason why a lot of people like there it's kind of like of course everyone or everyone that starts it are kind of are mostly young and just like get into it and try a lot but the attitude is kind of like oh yeah handstand yeah i just you just try and that's that's all yeah. you get to know about it and then you just try and then you do all these things and suddenly you can do it it's it's not kind of a thing that's a big deal yeah and of course the older people get and like kind of like i like with trampoline put me on trampoline now it's going to take me take a lot longer to learn than a 17 year old but we can test that out. We go to trampoline park with you. <laughs> Fuck that. I think actually, yeah. just remember we went to the trampoline park and had a student meetup, and Mika was teaching at it. Mm. And uh, we went to the trampoline park on the second day, and the only person <laughs> to like wreck themselves was Mikhail at the trampoline park. 
Yeah, the, yeah, like, I remember. Like, I guess I, I mean, I did, I did classes in school, so I could do the basic. I could do like, of course, like sit to stand and like bounce stomach, and I, I could do some flips. And yeah, stuff, I, yeah, I could, but like, I, I did, I did jump to to stomach. And I did the timing with the hands wrong, because <laughs> so, I, I came, I was too, too, I came down too much front, and I was gonna jump the stomach and just like, <laughs> remember like, like a proper cracking in the back. Besides, like me, and one other person, no one else had done any trampoline. <laughs> Everyone came out fine, no injuries except Miguel, who yeah. like wrecked himself. Got news. So. But but what what was I saying? I was saying something uh, about the the thing. What was I the think, thing? Let's segue onto. I have one question oh, for both of us, basically, mm. of. What's more important when doing a handstand, balance or perfection? Easily balance, because yeah. like without without that, like you're. Oh, I've seen so much perfection without balance. I mean, if 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 you're if you're doing hand to hand as a flyer, it's fine. Then yeah. because that's that's your job is to make the pretty shape, and then the other person's job is to balance you. But if you want to balance it yourself, like you need to deal with that first. Again, like balance is kind of your cup. Perfection is more information in the cup. Yeah, it's definitely this idea that you'll see uh, with the chest wall handstand and the alignments and everyone wondering about the shoulder mobility and you're like, well, I can't do a handstand because I can't hold five by 90 second chest wall holds and all this. And it's like, well, that's conditioning. Mm. That's fine. You do need some conditioning. Don't say we're throwing it out. But it's also, you would see it like, it's not a chest wall handstand. It's constant to wall handstand where you're constantly facing the wall and you're not willing to just go in then you see it like you see people will try it and you the first time you learn to balance your technique goes out the window it looks terrible mm -hmm. that's fine but until you can actually balance for about 25 30 seconds there's no point in uh worrying about whether everything is perfect yeah like details will tidy up it's kind of we we encourage this idea of like we train the details as much as they can so they emerge almost naturally as you do the practice mm. and not try to be focused on unless you have a specific focus point yeah i like the thing of uh if you like regarding how to say if you i could quote you on this one um like adding and removing <laughs> variables that was the one i was gonna say uh so i think that like um both of those are necessary for for learning and by removing variables i basically mean that like let's say a like a your freestanding handstand, it uh, consists of kicking into the handstand, catching the balance, bringing your legs together, and then holding it and then coming down. So you let's say that a person just needs to work on on balance. So well, then 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 you can do a wall setup, for example, with stomach to wall, and then you're like the kind of one leg lift thing that we do in the program and so on in push. But uh, and there's tons of other variations of moving into balance. But what you're removing, you remove the kick up so that you don't need to worry about that at this point point because then you're like, okay, it's a balance drill. So you can develop, develop balance as a separate capacity. Then you can work on your kick up as separate as kind of half kick ups and work on that as a separate capacity. And then you can work on your alignment as a separate capacity, like doing certain drills for that. Uh, and whenever you're then, whenever you want to work specifically on one thing, like you're better off removing a variable or two so that like you can concentrate on that. And after as the time goes on, you get really good at kickups. You have like pretty good balance. Okay, then you kick up into balance. Maybe your you maybe your alignment isn't perfect at that, that time, but you're able to hold. You're able to stay, which means you're you're building those two capacities together. But at the same time, you know that 
you still need to work on this like straightness of your handstand. Okay, well then you do that as a separate thing. Then you go back to the wall, remove variables again, and then you work on it there. And then slowly but surely you piece these things together. Yeah. So I suppose we're, we've been talking for about 40 minutes. I suppose I'd just like to kind of summarize what we're getting at in this. It's like, what is a handstand for us? It's context specific of what you wanted to do. What are you using the handstand? Is it the art of hand balance, which we teach? Or is it a component of a discipline which is larger than just the handstand itself? Hmm. Then it's also this idea of like, can we have a working definition? So I threw out the one is you have the hands as the main point of contact of the ground and there's no other point of contact either with the space, be it a wall, floor, or your own body. Or, or even the person. There's no spotter. Person. <laughs> no spotter. I don't know. There could be seven spotters running away mm, in the background. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Get him out of the frame for the for the screenshot. Click. Greatness. Uh, yeah. That's of and then it's the idea of like we're trying to find like what what actually is the minimal amount you you personally need. Now I said, you know, for me it's fingers and shoulders. For someone else it could be glutes and fingers. Hmm. It just becomes down. I was like, well, this is personal. It's your own this, this is the going to cause a bit of cringe in the room, but it's part of your handstand journey. <laughs> <laughs> Suffer. <laughs> Hashtag handstand journey. But uh, it is like, it is a journey. It is a, it's interesting. I like handstands. Like I don't have particularly high technical aspirations on them, but more just as a means of exploring the body and what it's capable of. So it's kind of, there's a lot in there, what you can get out of the practice. It's also this idea of uh, where do you want to take it? Like, yeah. You know, is it just something you want to do in your bedroom? Is it something you want to do for Instagram likes with monkeys crawling on you? Mm, yeah, it's there's very many, <laughs> many ways to use it. But yeah, I, I think it's it's essentially yeah what what you'd like to to use it for, and um, it's it's an interesting thing to do ultimately. Like it's yeah. it's fun, and I think I think that that's one thing that that attracts a lot of people to it. Uh, I I love to to make kind of a how to say a comparison between a handstand and a backflip uh, where a back backflip is I mean a, a really good backflip is of course hard to master but a backflip is very hard to try to do it's scary but it's reasonably easy to do once you have a backflip like yeah. there, there isn't that, that much that is required for you to get around but it's, it's tough to get around kind of the fear and try it while a handstand is very much like an easy to try but very very hard to master thing so you you need like almost anyone who have two functioning arms can kind of try to kick up on a piece of grass or whatever. Yeah. And it easily becomes this kind of thing where you manage a couple of times. Oh, I actually managed that. I, I just need to get that feeling again. And then you suddenly found yourself trying like 300 more times in the session. So it's like it's very kind of obsessive in that sense. Yeah, it's kind of has a good success to failure ratio. And it's kind of comes down to. I don't know. In some ways, like, what's the minimum conditioning you need for handstand? It's this idea that, like, we need to do some drills that give us success and give us, you know, sensation in the body as well as, like, just the ability to maintain and practice. Mm. I always have this idea of, like, what is capacity in our balancing? What is how much, how many, how many attempts of what Mikael said? How many attempts can I make in a session that will be worthwhile? And it's like, say, I have a rough formula. I use it. I'll show you simplified, simplified version of it. If I can do five by 60 second chest wall holds which is one thing in and of itself that gives me i don't know 300 seconds to fuck around in my handstand where i can just be like okay i'm going to try and kick up and a kick up will take me 10 seconds to do so that means i can do 30 kick ups in my training and 
that's my capacity maybe whereas mm-hmm. if i do any more than that i might just be going beyond what my body has trained in you know it's a very rough rule of thumb but it's this idea of like what is the conditioning for the conditioning is to a- enable the practice it's not the yeah. end goal of the practice mm. unless you do crossfit then it is the practice yeah then it is the practice and that's fine but i think for yeah if you it's you if you want to be able to i think anyone that wants to be able to stand on their hands want to be able to at least stand up there for a while i mean i would assume that very few that want to practice handstands are go like okay i can stand for 10 seconds now okay i'm done i think that's that's a rare occasion um i think you'd be surprised actually i think there's a lot of people out there who are kind of Exactly. Maybe, met them on a yeah, thing maybe. where it's just like maybe I'm just, just too jaded. Yeah, maybe a bit jaded, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of people who are like. Frankly, like, I met a few older people over the years who are just like. Yeah, you're right. You're they're right. kind of they want to do it. They want to be able to get the sense of balance, but mm. they they literally have no high aspirations. Like they don't even know a sixty second handstand is a thing. Yeah, you're right. You're so it's totally just like. Right yeah, you see, you know, met a few like more but, than a handful of people like this who are just like you know I just want to be able to kick up and walk my hands a little and yeah, yeah, hold right. it, you know. You're right, but I think that like let's even say that like let's say the ten second handstand or like being able to stand on your hands for a little while is kind of the goal, then like being able to do a chest to wall handstand where you just don't need to worry about balance, but like yeah. you're just able to hold your body for at least twice that time or like for like twice the time is necessary. But at least I mean if you if you want to stay stand on your hands for ten seconds and you can't keep yourself up by the wall for twenty seconds you're probably better off just getting yeah. getting that ability so that you can you can hold your weight for a while. I have a question for you then. Mm-hmm. So when would you say to someone they're allowed to say they can do a handstand? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I have my own answer to this. I want to hear your one first and then I'll the, give I think, my yeah, one I think obviously. It's, it's like actually, because like I, I immediately now t- started thinking about like, what I kind of feel a qualify for a one arm is that was the yeah. first like just thing that struck my head. But I think for a normal handstand, I would assume like if you're able to kick up into a handstand. Okay, I'm just gonna pull some numbers out of my ass. Let's say seven out of ten times you're able to get up and stay for between five to ten seconds. I mean, then you're then like you're you're doing it often enough and for long enough so that like you're you're being up there and you're correcting yourself so that like within a try like or within a successful try you're actually yeah you're actually doing some balancing yeah so my working definition on this it applies for two arms and one arms so that people are allowed to say they're allowed to do a handstand or one arm when they intentionally enter the handstand they perform a reactive rebalance so they lose balance and react to it and then they restabilize the handstand from that correction mm. and then choose to exit the handstand that's my working definition when you're allowed to say you do a handstand. That's not bad. Because, you know, bad. you'll see, just to bump it up to a one-arm thing, you'll see people who, even myself at the moment, you'll, like, shift over, you'll find the alignment, you'll find the stack, you'll get the hand off, mm. and then you're on your hands for even up to five seconds, but you're not actually balancing. You've yeah. just found that dead center alignment. Yeah. You see this You're in lucky a, for three seconds, yeah. and then you fall for two of them. <laughs> Basically. So it's like, I think that qualifies the handstand. It's like, okay, I chose to go up, something went wrong i reacted to it i fixed it i fixed the reaction and then i chose to come down mm. if you can perform yeah, all of them good. in one set that's my working definition you're allowed to say i can do yeah. a handstand yeah that's actually pretty good since, so like that's not something i love to see when i teach people it's just like get up it looks fine i see it go south i see them get back and then i always just like cheer yes okay 
because yeah. that that is the, that is the thing that I think is very it's very underestimated thing too because being able to do that like lo- big looking correction that it, that might be defined as bad by the federation uh, is uh, is in in reality a very good sign because it means you caught it you yeah. you managed to deal with it and over time like uh, three years down the line what would cause you to do that large reaction isn't any longer even visible yeah exactly and like then you would need a much larger wave of destabilization to move into that same kind of uh, larger correction or fatigue so, that's yeah. kind of one of the points in one of the manuals that you put down is like your balance breaks down in a certain order as you fatigue so as you have more conditioning your corrections are smaller then they become like you'll start with like these corrections it's just the fingertips pulsing or the heel of the hand pulsing then as you get tired then it's like longer squeezes mm. then as you get further tired then your shape starts breaking whereas if you're a beginner and you have no conditioning you have none of the skill then the shape starts breaking immediately yeah but that's the only way it can go i think michael put in the manual uh you have to learn to ride the big waves before you can surf the little ripples yeah or something like that yeah or like that both of them are important but like that uh it's i, th- I think like the thing with the big waves is that it's such an uh underestimated skill set because it's it, it doesn't have that kind of pretty neat quality that uh that we kind of search for aesthetically um and it, it and because of that um if you if you if you don't allow yourself to to try to stay on the fucking hand when you're falling then you're always going to let that happen while yeah. if you have that kind of constant mindset of okay i'm just going to stay on my hands then like i remember like years back when i was a kid like or a kid i was 17 i was I started breakdancing and somehow yeah <laughs> i was a fucking kid yeah and I, I was trying to, I just figured out that, ah, breakdancing, okay, it's probably good to be able to stand on your hands. So I just kept, I just warmed up with trying to kick the hands down. I would just walk around because I didn't know you could stand still. But I remember that every time I fell down, like stomach side, I would just try to keep my legs in the air. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, I didn't know what I was doing. But essentially what I was doing was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of negatives yeah. of presses. So in the end, I, I learned to press because I just tried to stay on my hands every time I fell down. And I mean, I do have a lucky shoulder structure in terms of pressing so that like it like the way I would do it was to stay on top of the shoulders and I, I wouldn't planch it much because I was yeah. stronger on top than maybe your planch would be better if you actually learned to planch. Definitely. Um, so like um, it, it just uh, became this thing of I would always I would always just like try to keep myself in the air. And yeah. because of that, I, I built up a lot of, of strength and that just came from having that like kind of automatic mindset for me but i think it's important when people are learning that they 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 kind of learn how to or that they keep keep in mind that i'm trying to save it all the time so like yeah. when you like suppose we should actually mention that with like over and under balance this kind of terms that we use in term with with balancing so over balance is when you when you move to the like to, towards the fingertips uh, and you need to grab the gro- ground with your fingers or else you fall over same as if you stand on your feet and you, le- you lean forwards on your foot you'll have to grab the ground with your toes or else you'll have to take a step right and under yeah. balance is basically when when you're when your weight moves towards the heel of the palm and like the thing i talked about now that i would do when i fell from the handstand i would try to push up in my shoulders for some reason as a and try to keep my legs in the air which turn into then a negative press 
but the underbalance is kind of more complicated thing because you can do that in several ways you can do what i did by trying to stay on top of the shoulders which is kind of what we try to teach in Hansen factory yeah um, there's reasons for it yeah tons of reasons for that we'll probably talk a lot about yeah that we're going to think other, the other press episode and yeah. the one arm episode will cover away loads of rambles incoming on that yeah but you can also planche when you move that direction you can also uh, bend the elbows and you can bend the elbows or you can do you a can combination of the two or the three as well so like there are options when you move in that direction but overbalance is kind of i think the interesting thing with overbalance you don't have a choice either you grab the ground with your fingers or you walk or you yeah. fall there, there isn't anything else to do kind of there's no kind of sucking in the belly button or what i call belly button magic that belly can do any, any yeah like there's nothing you can do like either you grab the ground Can't or you fall if the weight moves there it's just it is what it is yeah i think it's that kind of thing of uh when you're a beginner at handstands your battle was with overbalance yeah you're definitely. just battling to stay on your point and then when you're when you're trying to become become someone in handstand, whatever it is, your battle your battle is with I underbalance. Am someone. Because like that's where all the shapes happen. You have to put more mass into the underbalance side. Yeah. So we've been rambling for about an hour, I suppose. Yeah, a, wow. Bit that of an outro. Fast. And uh, uh take it from there, drink some more coffee, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah, def- uh, I definitely need another. First coffee. off, I suppose you've got a few more tanks and other stuff to go. So first off, just once again, thanks to everyone on Kickstarter. If you've gotten this far and you've also contributed to our Kickstarter, we really like you and we hope to meet you. <laughs> yes. uh, it's great. I've been Emmett Lewis. This is Mikael Christiansen with me. And this was that. we just uh, want to say the Hansen Gas, it's brought to you by Hansen Factory. If you're just interested in the practical, like the podcast is going to give you sort of a lot of the theory, the depth and our thinking. But if you're interested in what this practically looks like, we have our online course at Hansen Factory. So, you know, it's a bit of a shameless plug, but, you know, we put a lot of work into it. We definitely on a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff now in text that has never been said in text about handstand ever before. So ever before. Of, really, it was like, you know, I'm still amazed, like, of that course we produced. Like, you have no idea how much coffee we drank and how much we hated each other. <laughs> then, yeah, some of you probably don't know, or maybe you've noticed in the background, uh, we have Elisa, who... Uh, is our chief whipcracker producer magic lady who does yeah, everything probably wouldn't be able to finish this today if she wasn't making us do it yeah so big <laughs> shout out to her big shout out to the rest of the team behind handstand factory we've got adam ross who do uh do all our photography and videography videography uh isaac and sophie who do our graphics and isaac is one of our models we've got sev well, isaac's more than a model he's also Apprentice, Padawan, General Gopher. Generally useful to have around. <laughs> have, uh, Sev, one of the models as well. And uh, Yeah, and yeah, I, guess we're, I guess we're pretty much there. Oh, yeah, Josh and Morgan as yeah, well. Yeah, Josh and Morgan, totally. Because Josh and Morgan, the Wonder Kids. Yes. Uh, watch Puffin out for Morgan. It's going to be yeah. dangerous when he grows dangerous. up. Dangerous. Is he grown up yet? Uh, no, he probably will never grow up. He's yeah. like per- perpetually 18, I think. Mentally but yeah, right. thanks thanks a bunch for listening uh, to our things. And yeah, there will be more episodes coming up. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that, I guess. Stay tuned. And one more thing, if you have any questions for the podcast you'd oh, like yes. to put through, you can put through with title podcast questions on the contact form on Handstand Factory. Put them through and uh, we'll see if your question is good, we'll read it out on air. If your question is terrible, we'll read it out on air, but with your name attached. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Now yeah, we've thanks been rambling on, on okay. for long enough. I've got to turn off the recorder. Cheers. Bye.